Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Hallelujah. Well, what an honor to be able to call him our helper. Amen. Father, we're so grateful today to call you Father. We're so grateful to be called your children. Jesus, we thank you for the price you paid that made that possible. We honor that price. Father, we honor the great price you paid in sending your son and Jesus and the great price you paid in obeying the Father. And we honor the Holy Spirit here who is present and working in us at work now. He worketh mightily in us so that we can uh, enjoy and flow and move in to all that has been made ours. And we give you honor and thanks and praise. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Turn around to three or four people around you. Give them a great big God bless you this morning. Let them know you're glad to see them. Hallelujah. Brother Gene, Sister Joyce, thank you again so much for that. I, um, I love what you said that because of the fruit of her life through her children, that it put her in the category of the great. And um, I, I, want to, I want to encourage you, not all greatness is done publicly. Most things that produce greatness or lead to greatness are things that are worked in private. How many of you know that working on the inside of you, the Holy Ghost is constantly working and he's working great things in you? Amen. I love something. My brother, um, my mother attended my brother's church um, there in our hometown. And my brother was out of town on one particular Sunday and one of the men that my brother had to preach was a right-hand man to my brother. And he preached a sermon. My mother told me about it. I didn't hear it, but she told me about it, that I've never heard this approach in a sermon before. But his whole sermon was, he referred to when Paul would say, give my greetings and a warm kiss to this person or that person because of what they had been in his life. This man just went down the row and told what a great supply each one had been in light of how Paul did it. And he went down and said, uh, because uh, um, of course he didn't do the whole church, but mainly those that were, um, you know, if I could say this, core people that were hooked in and were a vital part of that local church. And my mother was the type, you don't ever put a microphone in her. You don't stand her up. She hated any kind of public attention. She would go like mute. And um, so it's amazing. She had three of us that came out talking. And then my, my, <laughs> and then my, my sister was a school teacher for many, many years. And so uh, we all had to be in front of people all the time. And we were making up for her not being in front of people, I guess. And he came to mother. And mother was stunned because she was sitting back a little bit. And he said, and Carolyn Chapman has blessed the earth through her children, that her fruit has gone all over the earth. So I say, parents, never treat parenting as a less than because society and the business world downplays that. But 
their life is showing what they downplay. But don't you ever downplay what God called important. And that is the next generation and what goes on in your home. It is so important that what goes on in your home honors God. It's not just what is done publicly, what's said publicly, or what is seen by others. It's in the, it's in the tucked away places of life that greatness is born. And so never treat your, your children and the responsibilities of home as an intrusion into your dream. Because any dream misses its mark when the home is neglected. And our dreams should not just be outside the home. Well, praise the Lord. So enough said. I said enough said. Because the unrenewed mind diminishes and they diminish the woman's role. I think one of the greatest things a woman can do, if possible, is stay home with her children and raise them. Be present. I know that in today's society, because of different responsibilities, that's not always a financial possibility in some households. But when it is, it is a valued place. And don't, don't ever be duped by the world that diminishes that and says that your own identity is in, is in a job that you produce. Because the greatest job you've ever had is in raising children. You know why it's one of the greatest jobs? Because you got to raise you. I thought I had things pretty well intact until children were born. And I go, oh my gosh, where did this lack of ability come from? Anyway, praise the Lord. So I encourage you in that because uh, it's not your business that's going to matter if it lives on past you. It doesn't matter. It, it matters what happens with your children. And uh, well, praise the Lord. We won't go there. They could throw me into, you know, uh, preaching that vein this morning. But I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going to try to stay off that road. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to Psalms chapter 112. Um, at the end of what I minister this morning, I'm going to talk a little bit about what is in my heart about 2023 for this congregation and this ministry. But I want to, I'll, I'll do that at the end. And uh, we want to first look at Psalm chapter 112. <clears throat> this, this entire chapter is so loaded that really we can only take one verse and focus on it. I'd like to focus on each verse. We'll refer to them. But Psalm chapter 112, and we'll read most of the chapter here. Verse 1, praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. Three things we see in verse 1, praise ye the Lord. Um, what this is talking about, uh, it's a lifestyle. A lifestyle of praise is a lifestyle of faith. Praise. Praise is an outflow of the faith that's in someone's heart. So we can know whether or not we're in faith by measuring how praise is flowing. Amen. Because uh, a man of faith, you cannot separate him from, from his praises. So many times people are endeavoring to try to focus on faith, focus on praising. Yeah. 
and you'll find yourself in a flow of faith. So the first thing we see in verse one, praise ye the Lord. That means come into a lifestyle of faith that produces a life of praise. Second, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. I want you to see here that um, in this lifestyle of praise, there is no room for worry. You find a man who's praiser, a praiser. You find someone who's saying, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. They are skillful at keeping the door shut to fear. Amen. By saying, praise the Lord in the face of every circumstance, wrong things cannot get in because praising the Lord holds your attention on the right flow. Worry, the temptation to worry, the temptation to fear, the temptation to doubt comes to everyone. But a man of praise has closed the door to those things. So, in the mouth of praise, there is no room for the wrong flow. Because it, this praise flow is a chosen flow. Fear is a chosen flow. Worry is a chosen flow. It's a doubt flow. Yes, it can come with pressure to try to influence your choice, but you, it cannot take your choice from you. And you, can, you don't have to get into fear unless you choose. Just because you feel it doesn't mean you have to go on the ride. Fear and doubt get together and they produce an offspring called worry. So when we stay in a flow of praise, we are keeping the door closed to worry. When you get up in the morning, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. What does that do? That throws your attention toward the flow of the spirit, of spiritual things rather than the flow of natural things around you. Praise ye the Lord. Look at the next phrase. Blessed is the man. So we're talking about the man with the blessing of God on him. We're talking about a man who is living under the blessing of God. Can we not praise God for that? <laughs> Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. So we see this, that um, this, when it says the word fear, it's talking about honor, reverence, regard, that he treats the things of God with weight. They are significant to him. They are priority to him. And God says to have the blessing of the Lord flowing in a great way, have a, carry a great honor for God. Amen. Nothing is as important as what he says. Nothing you could ever desire for yourself is as important as what he desires for you. So then the third thing that we see in this first, this first verse, number one, it's praise ye the Lord. Number two, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, put honor in place. If, you're go if we're going to honor the Lord, we're going to have to honor what he honors. We value what he values. We can't dismiss what he calls important and think that the blessing of the Lord is going to be unhindered. God never withholds the blessing from his people. Now know how the blessing of the Lord operates. He has already blessed us, but how we respond determines the flow of it. 
we can step into obedience to God and it will keep the flow open. We step into disobedience and it hinders the flow. God doesn't withhold the flow. What, the, what, what we do positions ourselves to be in a full flow or a less than full flow of that blessing. God doesn't give it and take it back. Give it and take it back. Give it and take it back. No, it's us. Are we moving with him? As we move with him, we move in the fullness of what that blessing contains. So blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. The man who honors God is going to live under the flow of the fullness of the blessing. Not just a sprinkle of it. Not just a trickle of it. Not just a little bit here and there, but his daily life has an ongoing flow of an unhindered power and and blessing of God. Then the third thing in this verse, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. So notice this, delighting greatly is not an emotion. It is not a feeling. It is a choice of someone who praises God and honors God. This is going to be their response to this life of praise that they live in, to this flow of honor that, that, that governs them. And they're going to live greatly delighted with what? The, the commandments of God. Now, when we talk about the commandments of God, I want to think of them as twofold. God in his word commands the same thing of all of his children right? So the commands of the word, but then there are things that the spirit of God will say to you that, com- that are commandments specific to the plan of God for your life. So when we talk about the commands of God, we're not just talking about the 10 commandments or the command of love that's under the new covenant, which it certainly includes all that. But the, what has God commanded of you? What has he called you to do? What has he assigned to you? What are we, what are you going to give an account for when you stand before him? So when we think of commandments, think of all of that. Okay. So here it says that this man who praises the Lord, that he honors the Lord and puts him first, that he also greatly, he delighteth greatly in his commandments. That's a choice. Not a feeling, not an emotion. That is a choice. Dad Hagen used to say this statement to us. It's when you get thrilled with the word that it works for you. Being thrilled is a choice. Being greatly delighted is a choice. But when you choose that flow, when you choose that flow, great things happen. Um, I want to, and we're going to talk about this really, we're going to focus on this third thing of verse one, delighting greatly in the commands of God, because it is our privilege to live on the delight side of life instead of the complaining side of life, to live on the delight side instead of the fear side, to live on the delight side instead of the worry side, to live on the delight side instead of the sick side. Amen. Amen. Now, let's go back and I want to finish the rest of this chapter because verse one is the qualifications for the rest of the chapter. Many people will claim, look at verse three. 
wealth and riches shall be in his house. And they'll say, wealth and riches are in my house. No, 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 back up. How are you treating verse one? Because you can't claim verse three apart from verse one. <laughs> so again, let's read verse one because verse one is the qualifying verse for the rest of the chapter. Verse one, praise ye the Lord. If you're a complainer and not a praiser, don't read the rest of the chapter. It's not for you. <laughs> Stay off of it. You can't pull a confession out of that chapter. See, we got to think right. We can't just pick and choose. There's, there's things connected. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord. You can't put God down in the list of priority and then claim anything else in this chapter. Stop, stop right there. It's not yours. Well, the Lord's blessed me. Yeah, but you're out from under that flow. You've stepped into something that he's not blessing. If, 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 what, if his body is not important to us, if his, what he's doing in the earth is not important to us, we're robbing ourselves of the flow that belongs to us. Well, I'm going to try not to get sidetracked because we haven't even read the chapter yet. <laughs> Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. That means they put God first. It matters to us what God thinks about what we're doing. Who we're hanging out with, it matters to us that it matters to God. Listen, if we call him Lord, then Lord, we call Jesus Lord, then Lord wants to have something to say about where you are Friday night. Lord wants to have something to say about who you're going out to dinner with and who you're bringing to church or who you're keeping out of church. Lord is going to want to say something. Brother Norville used to say this, uh, people give him their heart and keep their life for themselves. <laughs> well, yeah, praise the Lord. No, I won't be here next Sunday. Morgan will be back. Everything will be back in place. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. Can you see the three things that are the contingency for this? Now... We can go on and everything else belongs to the man of verse one. If we're not the man of verse one, just don't read. Don't read any further. You're going to have to work on being the man of the verse one. You say, you're calling yourself man. Come on, don't buy into the media. <laughs> verse two, his seed shall be mighty upon the earth. Ah, the man of verse one, his seed will be mighty upon the earth. What's that talking about? His children, what, what comes out of him, what's produced after this man isn't even here anymore, will be replicated and still flowing in the earth because the man of verse one. But not only that, what about the seed you just sowed? In the offering, his seed shall do a mighty work. It will work mightily for him. Every seed, not just the seed of children. Let's throw every seed in that. Every seed you sow. 
the seed of time that you sow, the seed of prayer that you sow, the seed of serving that you sow, not just the seed of finances, but everything that you treat in your life is a seed. I love what Brother Richard Roberts said. He said, my life is a seed. I'm sowing it. Verse two, his seed shall be, look at this, shall be, it's not, it's not questionable. It shall be this way. His seed shall be mighty up on earth. That means it's going to make a difference in this world. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Verse three, look at another thing that belongs to the man of verse one. Wealth and riches, look at this, shall be be. in his house. That means when people come over and see your house, they're going to go, boy, I wish I had that. Go, yeah, you sure do. (laughs) That your house is an inspiration, not an intimidation, but an inspiration. Because you recognize it's God who did this. It's not me who did this. That way it's not measured out to some. It's measured out to the man of verse 1. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. Notice there's nothing listed prior to this verse that talks about the pursuit of wealth and riches. They just show up. They just come to the man who's always praising, always praising. Why? Because he's always calling. You praise God as your provider, you're calling provision. You praise God as your healer, you're calling health. You praise God as your peace. You're, you're, you're calling that flow of peace into your life. Wealth and riches shall be in his house and his righteousness endureth forever. Notice this, the connection between wealth and riches in the same verse listed, wealth and riches and righteousness. What's this mean? He didn't compromise his rightness of spirit to get that wealth. He didn't have to do something underhanded or questionable. He got wealth and riches and his righteousness is still intact. He didn't have to hold back what he owed. I can pay my taxes. I don't have to gripe about paying my taxes. Why? Because I got enough for my house and for what I owe. And I don't have to, I don't have to do something in the gray area that's going to put me at risk. Why? Because I'm living by righteousness. I'm not living by the schemes of what I can figure out. I have paid money I don't owe just to keep others from stumbling. You understand that? Why? Because if I will do right by God's definition of right, God will make sure that I get a a rich harvest on that righteous action. Many times people will tear up a family, tear up a home over money. Money is not worth tearing up anything over. Money will buy you lots of peace with some people. And I've, and I've done it time and time again, and I'll keep doing it. Why? Because I need things right in my life so that all the money I need can come. Don't you ever fuss over money with somebody. I'm not talking about be, be gullible. I'm not talking about mindlessly handing something away. You understand that? God will make you wise. But I'm talking about don't ever injure something God joined together over money. Amen. 
can you get a good deal? Sure, get a good deal if you can, but you don't have to teach your brother to get it. Whenever God told me that he was going to give me Sister Amy's castle, the pastor, precious, precious man, we, I, I didn't know him until I had contact with him about the castle. The first time I ever had a conversation with him, listen to what he said. Nancy, what do you think it's worth? How many times do sellers ask buyers what they think it's worth? But that shows he's not out, he's not out to hurt somebody. I doubt he asks that of everybody. And so I said, Pastor, I don't know what it's worth. And I said, in all honesty, I don't care what the price is because God told me it's mine. So the price, is a, it's a non-issue in this. Whatever price you ask, God will provide because he said it's mine. I don't have to try to take advantage of my brother so that I up him one. I don't need to. The blessing's on me. The blessing is what brings my increase, not my um, strategizing. You got to be bigger than money to have it. This is why many struggle because everything, every decision they make is based on money. As long as money is your lead, you'll always struggle financially. You'll always struggle. You say, not me, I got money. Yeah, but it really has you. I don't make decisions based on money. I make decisions based on the plan of God. What did God say? And I, I follow his leading. Praise the Lord. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. And this, this next phrase is so important. And his righteousness endures forever. His righteousness is still intact. He didn't lose his fellowship with God and his walk and his place in God over money. Praising God, honoring God made him big inside. Doing verse one, enlarged the man. God's not building your financial portfolio in case you didn't know that. He's building a man. He's building a life. If you'll let him do that hard work in you, of dealing with you, money will never be an issue for you. But many are building a financial portfolio. I don't do that. My first question is, what did God say? What did God say? What did God say? And I look in here for price of things. I look in here. I don't just, I don't look here. I look here. I'm led by the Spirit in all things. I'm not led by price. Verse 4, unto the upright there ariseth light in darkness. What's that mean? Revelation comes to the man when things get dark in the world. This man has revelation of what to do. The man of verse 1, that when the economy starts falling out, when the economy goes into recession, doesn't matter to him. He's got light. He's got revelation. He knows what to do at that time. The man of verse 1 is securing his future. Uh, Dad Hagen talked about that whenever um, years ago as a young man, there was coming a recession. An angel came to warn him, and he missed it. 
And he did not, he said he did not yield to that message that the angel gave. And from then on, he, for the next year or so, he suffered financially. Jesus appeared to him after that year on a, in a certain, in a meeting. And in the course of conversing with him, he said, my, my angel came to warn you, to tell you what to do financially, but you didn't receive it. You see, what is that? Uh, revelation, light came in darkness and he missed it. God will not just do that because, God wasn't just doing that because he was a preacher. God was doing that because he's a man of verse one. God doesn't give you revelation because you're a preacher. He gives you a revelation because you're a man of doing verse one. You understand that? That means you don't have to be in the dark about what's coming and how you should, what's your place in that. When you do verse one as a lifestyle, you don't have to change what you're doing in the face of recession. When you're walking by faith, you don't have to change your posture and what you're doing if recession or changes come to this world. Why? Because there's fat cows and skinny cows in the world all the time. Not in my life, in the world. I don't have skinny cows in my life. I got fat cows. But the world will always have fat cows, skinny cows. What's that mean? Times of economic thriving, times of recession. But to the person doing verse one, they don't have to change what they're doing. To the person walking by faith and honoring God and delighting greatly in the commandments of God, they don't have to change what they're doing when everything changes out there. Why? Because light comes in darkness. The revelation of what you're to do is made known to you right in the midst of when others are bumping into walls, you won't. Amen. Um, Verse four again, unto the upright, there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. What's this mean? He doesn't, because with that revelation, he tells it to somebody else. He helps somebody else in compassion and mercy. He's able to rescue those who don't know verse one. He's not, he's not self-indulgent and just eating it up for himself. He's bringing others into. Why? He's full of compassion. He's full of mercy. He's gracious. Amen. Verse five, a good man showeth favor and lendeth. Ah, you'll become a lending institution. Verse one, a man of verse one. He shows favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Meaning this, if God doesn't tell him what to do, he knows what integrity tells him to do. Listen, you'll never be what this offers you living off somebody else. Nobody owes you something. Get rid of that. Ladies, don't marry someone as your financial plan. That's not right to put that on anyone. God's the provider. Now, don't misunderstand me. I know this, the husband is the head of the household, but he's supposed to lead the family in trusting God, in leaning on God, not in taking God's place. The man's not the provider. God's the provider. Man is to lead the family to the provider. Amen. And if men, if your, if your household isn't flourishing, 
take a greater lead in your house of taking them to the provider. You understand that? Well, praise the Lord. Um, Verse six, surely he shall not be moved forever. Forever. The rest of your time on this earth, the rest of your time in heaven, you will never be moved off the right ground. Listen, what goes on in the world moves a lot of men. It won't move you. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. What's that mean? You're always in the thoughts of God. God never forgets the man of verse one. Why? Because the man of verse one hasn't forgotten God. He holds him first and foremost. Verse seven, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. Look at this. It didn't say he won't hear evil tidings. He'll hear them. He'll even have them come and be offered to him, but he won't be afraid. Fear can't get into the man of verse one. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. Why? His heart is fixed. Trusting in the Lord. That means he's anchored on the word. To be, to be trusting in the Lord, you're trusting his word. The Lord and the word are one. So to trust in the Lord is to trust in his word. This man is a man of the word. He's not a man of circumstance. He's not a man of, of, of society. He's not a man of what's going on around him. Verse 8, his heart is established. Who established it? He did. He took the time to establish the word in him. God did not establish him on the word. God gave him the word so he could establish himself on that word. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid. If fear gets in, it's a word issue. You're not thinking right. It's a, it's a further renewing of the mind that is offered you. Fear is offering you further renewing of the mind. It's not about getting fear to leave us alone. It's about us thinking right when fear shows up. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. That means he's going to come out on top. The enemies of fear, the enemies of doubt, the enemies of lack, the enemies of sickness. He hath dispersed, he's given to the poor. He doesn't just fill up his can and sit on it. He's generous. Why? Because he knows, he knows where it comes from. When people aren't generous, they don't know where their money comes from. They think it comes from them. When you know it comes from God, you don't sweat at releasing it when he directs you to give. His righteousness endureth forever. He's not going to step out of being right with God. He will not exchange being right with God for anything this world could give him. The devil will bid high for you, bid high for the plan of God because he knows that his total defeat in your life is the plan of God and he will bid high to get you off course, to get you in wrong relationships, get you in wrong jobs, get you in wrong locations, pull you away from your church, get you offended with someone in the church. He will do everything he can because he's bidding for something. He wants the blessing to be hindered in your life. But this man, his righteousness endureth 
He's not exchanging the rightness with God for anything else, any strategy the devil throws against him. His horn shall be exalted with honor. Listen, God exalts the man. He doesn't exalt himself. God puts him in a place of influence. Well, praise the Lord. We haven't gotten to my sermon. We'll get to it. Okay. Now, so since all these verses that I read hinge on verse 1, our skill lies with verse 1. Our skill lies, it's, it's skill that says praise the Lord when it looks like the floor just fell out from underneath your feet. That takes skill. It takes skill to recognize thoughts of fear. Because when people yield to fear, they quit praising. It takes skill to praise when circumstances with great pressure are coming against the mind, coming against the body, and you choose to ignore that, and you choose to step into a flow of praise. That takes practice, and it will bring you to a place of skill if you'll practice it. So verse 1 is, is, the, is, is the money hole here. If we will be skillful with verse 1, so that's what the rest of this time I'm going to talk about, okay? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. I don't have time to stay on that one, okay? Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. Don't have time to stay on that one. You stay on it. <laughs> Number three, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. That one I got time for. We're going we're to squat on that one today. Um, look at this, the de he delights greatly in God's commandments, not just of the word, but what he's commanded of your life. If God tells you don't hang out with that person anymore, that's a command. Don't go to that place anymore. Don't, don't look at that on the website anymore. That's a command. If you don't delight greatly to follow that, see, work on this verse, work on this verse. The, it says that delights greatly in his commandments. This blessed man is eager to hear what God commands of him for he knows when he obeys it, the blessing only increases. Yes. That's right. That's right. Did you get that? He's eager to hear what God would command of him. He's not saying, I hope God doesn't tell me, I hope God doesn't tell me give something today in offering. I hope God doesn't. No, he's eager. He's listening. God, what are you saying to me? I'm looking to hear. Why? Because I'm looking to be a blessing. I'm not looking to just go out and mooch off of someone. I'm not looking to work an angle. I'm not looking to work a deal. I'm looking to be a vessel that you're flowing through. I'm eager to hear what you would command of me. Why? Because this man knows that when he obeys the commands, the blessings of God just keep flowing unhindered in his life. This blessed man only wants what God wants. He is putting down natural carnal things so he can pick up the desires of God unhindered. It's not just that we obey God. This verse is not just talking about obedience. It's talking about how we obey God. Delighting greatly to do his commandments. Amen. 
And notice in verse three, it says wealth and riches shall be in his house. If God did not want wealth and riches in your house, why did he give us these three steps to wealth and riches? Because if wealth and riches isn't in our house the way it should be or the way we desire it or the way God defines it, then we know we lack skill with verse one. I want today to talk to us even a little bit further about what it means to live on the delight side. The delight side. If someone is struggling financially, this would be a place to inspect. Are you delighting greatly to do what he tells you to? If we don't, we bring financial hardship on ourselves. We will bring physical hardship on ourselves and marital hardship on ourselves. If we don't treat God and what God says as important and we're dismissive toward it, then that's going to show up in the different arenas of our life. Amen. That uh, Brother Copeland makes this statement the will of God is your wealthy place. Yes. Meaning, he's not talking about financially only. He's talking about every arena of your life will flourish whenever what God commands of you matters to you. Obeying God enriches us. That's why we're eager to hear what he says. What is he commanding me to do? Because every time I obey, I step into a greater flow of blessing. Only... Now listen, as I said, many are trying to build a financial portfolio and God's trying to build a man. That's why many are missing finances. Because they're they're out concerned about the money and concerned about the income and neglecting their own spiritual lives woefully. Neglecting the word in their life. And then they're out having to try to work double and they'll never get to where the word could have taken them. Um... Only the man who is obedient to the commands of God is safe with wealth and riches. Someone who doesn't obey God, they're not safe with wealth and riches. Why? Because the door is open to the devil on their life. They're not safe with it. That, that money can take them off course, sucker them into a wrong direction. Riches become a tripping hazard to the self-willed man. But the obedient man is never tripped up by money. Never. Why? He's obeying God. He's not obeying money. He's obeying God. He's not following money. He's following God. I don't, how to say it. In most recent years, I have been so blessed financially. I was so blessed with my husband. Absolutely. But when he's not there and it just comes down to me, you can't measure, is he doing it or me doing it? You know, who's off here? When it's only you, you know it's you. <laughs> right? It's not like, who did this? <laughs> I know. So that, I, I, I want to speak from that place because now it's not just his faith and my faith, it's me. Um, and I, I would say this, that um, finances have become so easy for me. You want to know why? I don't think about it. The more you think about money, the more it keeps it out of your reach. Why? Because you're making decisions and it's governing you. 
you know what my thoughts are? What's God telling me to do? What's God telling me to do? My thoughts are toward obeying, not toward finances. And when I obey, I turn around and the finances are there. I'm not here to prosper financially. I'm here to obey. And in the obedience, prosperity just comes. That's why many people who have sat under the word for so long still struggle financially because they think about money. Well, Pastor Nancy, I got to have money to live. You got to have the word to define what real living looks like. Who knew that victory and abundance was just as easy as staying delighted to obey? Not obeying, but staying delighted. Work on yourself to stay delighted every day. If I could say this to you today, that I want you to take away, work on yourself at staying delighted every day. Make that your assignment. I choose to stay delighted every day to do what God says. Amen. Now, I'm going to have to start reading notes because I can't go off track anymore. There's too much to get through. We're on page three of ten. And you go, my gosh, you going to keep it? I might keep you. Okay. Psalm 37, go with me. We're not, we're not done with Psalm 112, believe me, but I want us to see something. Psalm 37. Verse 3, Psalm 37, verse 3. Remember what I said, your assignment leaving this building today is practice staying delighted every day with the commands of God. How are you going to do that? Father, thank you for allowing me to do that. Thank you for telling me to do that. Thank you for instructing me that. Thank you, Father, that you allow me to even have a place in your body. Oh, thank you. How about some of you came today and you had ministry of health physicians leave this place saying, thank you, Father, that you allowed me to do that today. Stay on the delighted side. Learn to practice. Get in your car and say, thank you for this car. Well, it's not the car I want until you're delighted. You don't get the car you want. (laughs) Get delighted. Learn to get delighted about every flow of your daily life. Do you know marriage, sol- marriage problems will be solved if you just turn and say, you know, it's a joy. It's a joy to run my race with you. Well, I'm ticked at him. You better get on the delighted side. Notice I didn't say the perfect side. Don't wait for perfection before you choose to be delighted. Because you'll never reach delight if you're waiting for perfection out of people. And if you're waiting for the perfect car, the perfect house, the perfect job, the perfect child, they don't exist. (laughs) (laughs) Psalm 37 verse 3. Look at this. Trust in the Lord. What's this talking about? Faith. Isn't this talking about faith? Faith. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be what? Fed. fed. Trust. Trusting in God, your life will be fed. Yes. Look at the next verse. Delight thyself also in the Lord. So trust and delight are not the same thing. They're singled out as something different. Delight also. Add delight to your faith. Add delight to your trust. 
because when you delight yourself also in the Lord, he shall give thee, give, give thee what? The desires of your heart. Look at this. You trust and you're fed. You delight and desires get met. That means the house you really want, the car you really want to drive, the desires of your heart. That when you move into, into the delight side, not only are you obeying and the blessing can increase, but there are things that God will just, you don't need them, you just like them. As a parent, I have an obligation to provide for my children. Ed and I provided. We, a roof over their head, clothes on their back, food in their belly. That was our obligation as a parent. They're, they were fed. I don't owe them Nintendo. That's right. I don't owe them a motorcycle. I don't owe them the latest, greatest game. I don't owe them a computer. I don't owe them that. But if they will be delighted to be in my house, treat my commands in that house right, I will give them desires. But until you get delighted, you don't get anything but food in your belly. And I want more than food in my belly out of this life. I want not just, I don't just want food and clothes. I want the best clothes. I want the best house. Not because my self-worth is derived from that, but because I like it. If you don't like it, don't worry about it. Seriously, there are some people that don't mean anything to me. I like stuff. I like stuff. I like stuff. I like stuff. Stuff. I like stuff. You know, some people, I like it. You say you're carnal. God will meet my carnality. Why, if I get delighted, he will give me desires met. Desires. Not bills paid, desires met. If I trust him, I'm fed, my bills are paid. But if I get delighted, he dumps more jewelry on me. So that's why I say your assignment in this, out of this service, go home and practice being delighted at everything that God has authored in your life, attached to your life, and be vocal about that delight. Because if you're not vocal, you're not yet delighted. That inward silent enjoyment don't work. Amen. Psalm 112, it says, delighteth greatly. So the measure of delight, the degree of delight matters. Can I say this? The greater the delight, the greater the measure of desires met. When Grant was about 10 or 11, 12 or something, you know, he'd been to Disneyland before. But, uh... Ed and I decided we're going to surprise him. You know, we go in one morning, we're going to take you to Disneyland. He oh, okay. I go, shoot, we're not doing that again. <laughs> Why? His, his measure, his degree of delight was low. What's that mean? Then I'm not going to keep doing this. If you don't get any more delighted and you can't express any more delight than that, 
We're going we're gonna to take you today just because we sit, we're going we're gonna to stick to our word. We said we were. But from here on out, you're going on your own. <laughs> Why? The degree of delight shows me what I'm going to do for you in the future. Our degree of delight shows God what he can do for us and what we're believing for and what we're excited about. He will only do for us based on what our delight invites him to do. As well as our faith that invites him. You know, can I say, can, can I say this? I'm just gonna, I, I'm gonna say it. If this don't look delighted, I wonder what's the problem. Some of you haven't cracked, you haven't cracked this concrete for a while. If you can't enjoy yourself in this setting, you got no business going to an already movie laughing. You're welcome. You're welcome. I tell you what, to be greatly delighted just to be in this company of people, to be with somebody who loves God, loves the Word, it is a delight to get to show up at church. You show God that His family thrills you, you won't have to go home worried about your money. You won't have to. You won't have to. But if you're going to sit there all sour, dried up, Psalm chapter 40, verse 8. I, Psalm chapter 40, verse 8. I delight to do thy will. Psalm 40, verse 8. I delight. Not God delights me. I delight. I've chosen to be delighted. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Look at this. Yes. Look at this. Thy law is within my heart. How come he's delighted? The word's in him. The word, when delight is low, the word level is low. That's right. You can have the word in you, but if you don't keep it stirred up and you don't keep this. Listen, the countenance means something. I said the countenance means something. Because it's not all about personality. It's about what you're full of flowing out. And you have to practice being delighted in the face of opposition. You have to practice it. And I tell you what, you're going to have to get loud. You're going to have to do, you're going to have to do something out here to give expression to what's in you. Well, well, I love the Lord in my heart. Well, nobody else would know that. That in my heart stuff. I'm not belittling that, but I'm saying too many times people dismiss themselves from appropriate behavior in the presence of God by saying, well, I love him in my heart. Because Grant's, Grant's expression of delight was low out here. I knew what was in his heart. So don't say I, I love him in my heart if something's low out here. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, the mouth is in the body. The mouth is in the flesh. And the mouth is going to bring, it's, it, it's the channel that what's in your heart comes out here. So in your heart, you can still, you can still go hungry with a bunch of faith in your heart. Being delighted is basically saying this, your mind is being renewed. If we're not delighted, our minds aren't renewed as they ought to be. Amen. To not be delighted with what God commands of us is an invitation to further renew our minds. It's a sign 
Lack of delight is a sign of wrong thinking. Now, let me say this. I'm going to try to read. We're on five. Okay. It is dangerous to complain against what God's commanded of you. It is dangerous. It's not only unadvisable, it's dangerous to complain against the call on your life, against what God's commanded you to do, because you have to choose to be delighted. You don't have to feel like it, but you choose it and you will feel like it. What is God dealing with you about? What's God talking to you about? What is God working in you? He's always working in you. Always. He's always dealing with us about something. You're never going to arrive at a point where he's not dealing with you about something. Why? Because he's always working to bring us into the fullness of the stature of Christ. So what is God dealing with you about? When we obey that, he is able to protect us. When we don't obey that, we're on dangerous territory because he can't protect disobedience. If we complain against anything he has commanded of us, he can't protect us. That's why some people are sick. They com- they, I don't want to get up in front of people. I don't want to serve in this. I don't want to serve in that. And they're, they're so skilled at saying what they don't want. And there's no protection in disobedience. Um. It plays into the health of people. It doesn't just play into the finances. It will play into the finances. It'll play into the marriage. It'll play into the home. But it will also play into the health of people. Don't complain about anything associated with your call. Because there's things associated with your call. Those, who's, those precious students who have come out here to serve, to be part of our Bible school, there were so many things that you had to handle and address to even carry that out. You had to find a place to live. You had to get a car maybe sometimes. You had to get a job. You had to rework your calendar just to obey the one command of being the Bible school. There are so many things associated with one command. Be joyful about everything associated with the command. Don't just be don't just be joyful. Uh, finally, I'm in the I'm in the I'm in the school. I'm sitting here in class. Uh, no, you've got to be a, a joyful and delighted about everything associated with it. Uh, Grant was talking about the Jesus the Healer broadcast. Um, I'm three weeks in February. I'm filming three weeks in March. I try to do it during the winter months because I don't like traveling in the winter months. Why? Because sometimes weather in other places hinder meetings. People can't get there. So I try to, I take the winter months to film in. Um, I film from Monday through Thursday, five episodes a day, 20 episodes. And I do that three weeks. Then I have a week off. Then I pick up another three weeks. That's a lot of preaching people. But that's not just a lot of preaching. That's a lot of preparation. Not only that, then the the guys, the TV crew, they edit it. Then they send it to me and I do an edit. So I've done that with what? I don't know. We've, I don't know. We've got, Tony maybe can tell me. We've got about 240, 260 episodes, something like that filmed. I wrote sermons for all that. Uh, all this typing, this is my life. <laughs> And you know what? I'm thrilled to do it. I'm glad to do it. I'm delighted that I get to, I don't go home and go, oh my gosh, I'm so tired of writing sermons. It is a delight because the outcome 
where all of that arrives and what it ends up working. You have to see the whole big picture and don't just be delighted with the part, the party part. You got to be delighted with the preparation part. And some, some people who, you know, they want their own business. They want their own business, but they won't stay anywhere long enough for a man to prepare them and teach them and train them how to be a success because all they want to be delighted over is I'll only be happy when I have my own business. You're not ready for your own business. Because until you're delighted to be prepared, you do not understand what it takes to succeed. I'm just grateful that somebody hires me, pays me, and I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> If you knew what you were doing, why they got to train you? When you go on a job, they have to train you. They are paying you for them to train you. And you complain about that? Wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. It'll keep you broke. You're welcome. Listen, there have been times when I go to travel and there, there can seem, if I could say this, a wave of almost heaviness. I don't want to leave it. I, I, and I, you know what I do? I start thanking God right there in my closet. Thank you, Father, that I get to go. Why? I've got to be skillful with praising the Lord. Verse 1. Yes. In the face of something that is trying to, to take the delight. Try to get me out of the delight side. The delight side is not just you doing what you want to do. The delight side is being prepared too. I have to be just as delighted to pack as I am to preach. Because if I don't pack, I can't get there and preach. You understand? Every aspect, make yourself, choose to be delighted about it. Some have complained their way right out of their call. Some have complained their way right out of their ministry. Some have complained their way right out of their ministry of helps post. They think that just more people came when they don't really realize God replaced them. Because they complained that they had to, I don't want to be on the calendar, on the, on the schedule. You're welcome. Satan wasn't delighted where he was at either and lost it. He was no longer content to be delighted where God put him. And he lost it. We don't want to complain ourselves right out of God's best. If we complain, God can't protect us there. Uh, think about this. If I, if I could say this, get, learn to get rid of all complaint. Pay, listen to yourself. My mother used to say that. As kids, we get in the car, you know, after, after school or something, and she'd say, just listen to yourself. Stop and listen to yourself. <laughs> She used to say that to us all the time. You need to stop and listen to how you sound. Well, mama doesn't live with you anymore, but you still need to stop and listen to how you sound. Amen. Get rid of all complaint. Complaining is a bad habit and you can't live on the delight side complaining about anything, anything, anything. Amen. People complain to get attention, but it's the wrong kind of attention you're getting because the devil shows up for complainers. 
I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10. Are you still with me? Are you okay? Are you, uh, you're, you, everything's okay? Your comfort level's okay? Everything? I mean, your, st- your chair f- still feels like it has a cushion to it? Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10. <clears throat> Talking about God delivering the Hebrews out of Egypt. This is what this passage is talking about. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured. Look at this. And were destroyed of the destroyer. The devil could not get in until they opened their mouth to complain. Once we complain, we take down the barriers of protection. Our complaining breaks down protection, the protection of God. They had no idea that serpents were out there. They had no idea that their camp had not had any serpents. And in one day, a quarter of a million of them dropped dead from from venomous serpent bites. They had no idea that God all that time had been protecting them. But when they started complaining, the walls of protection started breaking down. And the serpents could come in. And a quarter of a million dropped dead in one day, not because the serpents were more powerful, but because their complaint opened the door to it. I cannot tell you how dangerous it is to carry a habit of complaint, complaining against the food, complaining against the restaurant, complaining against your wife, complaining against the house, complaining against the car. It's such a habit that it breaks down the protection of God in our lives. And it says, and they were destroyed of the destroyer. Many times people have complained themselves to a premature grave. They've complained about their boss. They've complained about their spouse. They've complained about their pastor. They've complained about the church where no pastor wants them. Because they complain. They're fault finders. Yes, amen. Amen. Just like people practice complaining, practice being delighted. Practice finding something to be joyful about in one another, in your job. Amen. Uh, People on your job, probably a lot of them practice complaining. You better not get in that flow. That's not your flow. And right thinking recognizes, I'm not getting in that. I am not getting in that. And they'll try to do everything they can to set you up. Did you hear what such and such did? You better stay out of that. I said, you better stay out of that. You'll never be spiritual until you realize another man's business is not yours. Your boss tells you to do something and you go, complaint. That's a complaint. Complaint doesn't always sound like words. It, it sounds like a sigh. It sounds like a grunt. It looks like the rolling of an eye. You're welcome. Yeah. All your body delighted. All of you. <laughs> you know why people have marriage problems? They aren't delighted in their marriage. That's why. Well, she's not. He's not. If you'll stay delighted, anybody can live with you. My husband used to say, he said, if you, can, if you don't like Nancy, something's wrong with you. What was he saying? Because I was pretty even. I'm not hard to live with. I don't care. I don't care what you think. I'm not hard to live with. I'm not. I'm not hard to live with. It's my goal. I, everybody doesn't come in close to my life, but it's my goal to not be all putting to anyone. Right. That's good. That's right. 
I mean, haven't you just seen those people that, you know, they're just easy to know. They're easy to be around. You might not be best buddies, but they're not hard to be around. Don't be hard to be around. Get on the delight side. Amen. Hallelujah. You know what Jesus told Paul? He said, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. You're making your life hard because you're not agreeing with what I'm commanding of you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, we can stop there. We can stop, well, we'll stop this part there, but now we got another part. (laughs) This is my life. I type. And I'm delighted to do it. Okay, no, I'm just going to keep you a couple minutes because this, I want to talk to you just real quickly about 2023 for this congregation. Two years before my husband went home to be with the Lord, God said to me, all I want you doing is practicing peace. You've heard me say that. What was God doing? He was preparing me for what was ahead. How was he preparing me? He was telling me what to emphasize. This is why God in the first of a year will tell a congregation, have a minister to say something, a word to that congregation. And God may tell different ones to different pastors because it's suited to that church family right? So you have no business picking up what God said to another church and grabbing that more than what God says to this church. It's fine to add to what somebody else, you know, brother Jesse, I heard him preach about what, um, no, uh, Jerry, Jerry Savelle preached about 2023. Beautiful message. Wonderful. I'll add that to it, but it's not going to take the place of what God said to me about here. Because God knows particularly what this family needs, where this church family is going. And so he gives us something to emphasize. So um, one of the things um, that God had said to me about the next 10 years, and this is not, this is not the part I'm wanting to say about 2023, but I'll, it's, it's, it's going to help us get where we're going. He said the next 10 years will be explosive growth and development the next 10 years. Now, but we're just knowing, we're needing to know, okay, then what do we need to do this year to facilitate the next 10 years, right? So this is what he said, and let me say it before I say this, this is not just a confession to make, it's a directive to do. You can't just get up and say, I'm living days of heaven on earth. Not if you're not doing the word, you're not. It's not a confession, it's a directive. So what came into my heart for 2023, a year of flourishing faith, a year of flourishing faith. I am not, we are not to just confess, I'm flourishing in faith. I'm flourishing. No, it's telling us what to emphasize this year. Make sure our faith is flourishing. How can we do that? I just spent an hour on a man of verse one. If we will do those things, in addition to other principles of faith that we know, make sure that Psalm 112 verse 1 is, we're doing those three things in that verse because we will position ourselves to be one who flourishes in faith. If we're not flourishing in faith, we'll flourish in fear, or we'll flourish in worry, or we'll flourish in doubt, or we'll flourish in, in complaining. But if we'll, if we'll make sure that we're flourishing in faith, one of the primary things to do that is learn to live on the delighted side. Faith has no complaint in its mouth. Yeah. 
When you hear someone complaining, you have found someone who is not in faith. I didn't say they don't have faith. I said they're not in their faith. Any complaint is a step outside of faith. Practice that. So, this upcoming year, to have flourishing faith, number one, keep feeding our faith. We have to feed it. The word is faith food. It's faith, it, it, your mind needs the word, but your spirit needs the word. But listen, your mind needs the word. So feed your faith. Number two, release your faith. Just because you feed your faith doesn't mean that it'll benefit you till you release that faith. Faith comes by hearing, but faith is not released by hearing. It's not enough to just hear, 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 and never release the faith. You, how do you release your faith? Through words and actions. Through what you say and through what you do. Number three, be a good receiver. Get rid of this mindset or, it's, you know, I struggle with people giving me stuff. You know, I, I struggle with people, you know, somebody wants to bless me something, I have a hard time receiving. I, I, no one's ever heard that come out of my mouth. No one. No one. Why, well, I've never said it. Because people sometimes where they come from, they, are, they have a thing, I don't deserve it. None of us deserve none of this good stuff. <laughs> Jesus made ours what we don't deserve because he was right with God. Not because we deserve it, but because he paid for it. Amen. So get out of, in this faith life, get out of this thing of I don't deserve a bigger house or I don't deserve that or I don't deserve more. I deserve it, you deserve it because he made us. He positioned us in righteousness. That gift we're right with him. And God blesses us because we're right with him. Amen. Amen. Be, practice being a good receiver. Practice it. If someone hands you something and you go, oh, I can't take that. You got faith issues. Brother, I can take it. <laughs> Why? Because if, you, if I don't take it, they're going to give it to somebody else. It might as well stop with me. That's not selfishness. That's right thinking. Why would I let something that would bless my life go past me and me just say bye? That's not right thinking. Amen. Well, I just have a hard time thinking I should have more. That's what I'm talking about. Flourishing faith, not hindered faith. Number four, hold fast to what you receive. You have to practice that. After we receive some things from God, we have to hold fast. Why? Because the devil's trying to steal it from us. So these things that we add to our flourishing faith, but what's your big homework assignment? What's your big homework? Practice living on the delight side. Amen. Delighteth greatly. You know, you say, well, what I say? I'm delighted to have this bad, bad food. Thank you. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> Thank you, honey, for this burn stuff. I'm delighted. No, I'm teasing. Say, learn to say, I'm delighted to do that, Father. Father, and you, have you ever noticed that God says, give a certain amount of money to somebody, and the mind just, like, you know, and just starts, you know, like, and the Wizard of Oz, a melting witch. I mean, she, ah. You start melting. Ah. 
and you get in that mental arena and start adding up how much I got in the joke. I can't do that. Just, as soon as God says something, say, I'm delighted to. Thank you. I'm eager. I'm eager. I'm eager. I'm eager to do it. Start talking before fear starts pushing. Amen. Um, a praise report. The renovation on the castle has begun. The renovation on the castle has begun. It has begun. The first phase. No, they're not boots on the ground yet, but in architecture plans going through the city, all this stuff because you have phases. I think there's about going to be about four phases to this. And so I, I say that um, because I ask you to join your flourishing faith with me. Would you do that? Because I need miracles. But when I get miracles, it opens the door for those who are in the race with me to get miracles for their life. That's why you always, whoever your pastor is, always believe God for them to keep advancing because you're in the same ranks as they are. When I advance, you advance. Amen. God said to me last night, he says, have I ever asked you to pay for anything? I said, nothing. Nothing. Just believe for it. Just believe for it. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, praise the Lord. I have a, a minister friend of mine who said that they were praying for me and they said, they, they, and I'm, I'm just going to read to you what they said. They said, um, they said, Pastor Nancy, we were praying and it was like the two of us were walking into a force field. They said it was a prayer walk and the spirit of God said this to me, they will put her first. I saw all the trades with their hats and work and work, uh, their work aprons and their tools and they began to line up in a single file in order. And so we began to declare it and say they would come and put you first. They would be impressed to do so even if there were other projects that were in front of yours. Now, that part came to pass because since the first of last year, I had a contractor, you know, who had agreed in times past to help us with it, but we weren't ready to move ahead with it yet. But in the meantime, COVID came. And so it threw his construction company way back. And so he had to catch up. And so like the, the beginning of last year, I contacted him, says, I'm ready to move ahead with the castle. He said, I can't do it because I'm trying to catch up from that season of COVID with all the work that we fell behind. He says, I can't do it. And I mean, he does like big projects. I'm talking about big residential sections. I'm not talking about restoring, <laughs> restoring one house, you know, because that's not really a financial gain for them that much because the project is singular. It's, it's just one house, but he, he will normally do I'm talking about large residential development so I could understand why he said I, I can't get to you but we kept calling Amen. and we kept calling and so I would pray about it and every time I go to pray I could because I said God he can't do it how, how would you redirect me and he never redirected me he's the one so after eight months of contacting him, Stephen and I went and sat down and I said to him and I said, brother, I said, I pray about everything. I, I didn't know whether you're saved or not saved. I don't care. I'm just talking to you like you're saved. Because I'm saved. Might as well talk to you like, I'm, like you're saved. And I said, I pray about everything. And I said, God has put, put you on my heart as the man to do it. And I said, and I, know, I understand, I'm not trying to pressure you in a wrong way. But I'm just saying when I go to pray about a different direction, God won't give me a different direction. You're still the direction. 
So I'm just saying, that's where I'm at. And he said, I'll do it. I go, praise the Lord. (laughs) The time I started contacting him, he had a new employee that came on. This man had been like a project manager in construction sites for 30 or so years. And he came and began working with this construction company. And he says, and he told God, he's born again. He said, I don't know why I'm here, but one day my contractor walked in and said, the castle is your project. So he came and met me, the project manager of the castle came to, and he, I'd never met him. I didn't know who he was. And he walked up and he shook my hand and he said, Pastor, here, he said, Pastor Nancy, he says, I know you. I know this property. I know the history of this property. I know Sister Amy. He says, I've applied for your Bible school in past years and I attend your conferences. And he said, I'm thrilled to be the, the project manager on this. And he started working the, at the time we started calling to, to get the project. So that part was fulfilled when she said she saw, because at the time that this minister was praying and said that she was saying what she, she saw, the, the contractor was telling us no. And then, uh, so I want to go on and just finish this and tell you the rest of this. Then this minister said to me, these words came, yes, and the church will lift up their spiritual eyes and they will be compelled to back the work. They will become spiritually attuned first. And from that, they will act in ownership. That's what I want you to do. Believe with me as though you're the owner. Yes. Because you'll approach it more wholeheartedly when, you're, when it means something, right? But I need you to add your faith. Why? Because it's not just about the castle. It's about where we're headed. We're headed to the academy. We're headed to many properties. We're headed to many buildings. So I need you to get on board with this project, with your faith, because it's, going, it's connected to others. Plus, we got airplane, an airplane coming, right? So they said, so the people will be, she said that the people will become spiritually tuned first. And from that, they would act in ownership with the fullness of the project, not on your own, but people aware by the spirit joining with you in many avenues as the work goes into gear. So praise God. We're doing it. I said, we're doing it. Because like I said, this castle is not a singular project. It's connected. It's connected to so many future things. And if you'll connect your faith with me on this project, amen, then we can move forward together without having to try to get everyone on board on all that. We're just moving together as a unit. Amen. Stand with me to your feet. Thank you for letting me go an hour and 15 minutes. Thank you. Like I didn't give you a choice, but... Our homework is what? Practice living on the delighted side every day. Why? That's the faith side. How many of you know faith is always delighted? If it's not fun, it's not faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's lift up our hands and thank the Lord. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. It shows us how to walk in a way that's in line with how you direct us, how you think. Father, we come up. We come up. We come up in our believing. We come up in our speaking. We come up in our doing. 
We give you glory and honor and praise. Someone's neck is being healed right now, right here. And, and even though those who may be watching by live stream, release your faith if that's you. But there's somebody, your neck is being healed right now. Just move it around, move it around, move it around. And you'll find that that which was hindered is loosed in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, female organs are being healed. Female organs. The power of God is working on female organs right where you're at. If that describes your needs, say, I receive it. See, these, these, these things that God tells us have to be received. We're good receivers. Why? Because our, we have flourishing faith. Flourishing faith. Amen. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. In fact, for uh, whoever is having those difficulties with their female organs, uh, you've had so much pain during your menstrual cycle that it is almost like a knife cutting you. And you would have extreme pain, doubled up in bed with the pain. And then not only that would be coupled with it, migraines, no more. All of that stops in Jesus' name. And as I said, those of you who are watching and it describes your situation, release your faith. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. We glorify you. We glorify you. Something with someone's throat is being healed. Someone's throat is being healed right now. It seems to me there's some, been some kind of a lump or a growth somewhere in that throat area and that is being healed right now hallelujah we thank you Jesus we glorify you we glorify you some the power of God sitting on shoulders right now and it's as though if I could say this and I don't know how to say it other than this and it makes no medical sense but if we could just lift up the top the top area here and something just needs to be adjusted under this area almost like if somebody could put their hand in there and just tweak that 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 something with that kind of a condition with those shoulders just receive that power right now move that shoulder around do something you couldn't do hallelujah praise the Lord praise the Lord I tell you something never treat the power of God healing people as a light thing you know how many people would love to be who are hurting and suffering today that would love to be in an atmosphere to where the power of God deals with their situation and we get to be here today hallelujah we thank you Jesus we glorify you we magnify you we thank you father there's something else there I'm missing father what is that hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah, we praise you. Just reach up your hands and lift your voice and praise Him this morning. We praise you, Jesus. We glorify you. We glorify you. We glorify you. We magnify you. We magnify you. Something internally is being adjusted, uh, meaning something had moved out of place. It was not in place where it needed to be. And I'm talking about an internal organ. And God is repositioning that, repositioning that. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. We glorify you. Worship him with me, if you would. Worship with me. Worship him with me, if you would. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, it's as though if you were to pick up a string off of a table, I'm talking about, you know, a, a heavy cord, and it's, and it is um, coiled up, and you, 
you just pick that thing up and that thing falls straight. Someone, God is doing something when someone's back. It's as though, it's as though the, the power of God pulling at the top and straightening out something in the back. Hallelujah. If that describes your need, receive that, respond to that. How do you respond? With your words, words of faith that come out of your heart. Just say, I receive that, Father. I take that, I take that. Hallelujah. That spine being straightened out, vertebrae straightened out, discs as they ought to be. We thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We glorify you, we magnify you. Chelsea, you have those prayer claws I want to minister to. We get, we get all kinds of requests now, and it's our privilege to do this. But we get all kinds of requests. People send in prayer calls because they, they're looking for healing. R- release your faith with me. Father, we thank you for that healing anointing. That even those that cannot be present in this service right now, they can still receive what's flowing in this service. So we lay our hands on this cloth in obedience to your word. And that power, that healing power of God goes in. And this cloth acts as a storage battery. And when it's laid up on the body of that sick one, that power that is stored in there will go out and meet faith. And it will flow into their body, making them whole from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Father, we thank you for minds restored from dementia, from Alzheimer's. We thank you for creative work. The creative power of God working and making those minds right. Come up here, let me get those. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it. We're going to see that. Minds coming clear. Minds being made whole. Father, we receive that. We receive that. We receive that. We receive that. And we thank you for it. We glorify you. We magnify you. Father, Words seem to fall short, but we say them anyway. And we say, we're so thrilled to call you Father. We're so delighted, greatly, to call you Father. And what you command of us is our delight. It's our delight. We won't struggle against it, but we come into agreement with it. And we give you glory and honor and thanks for all that you've called us to do. We're thrilled about it. We're so joyful about everything that you've assigned to us, that which you've attached to our life. We give you thanks for including us. And we say we'll be faithful to it. It is our joy to obey. We are delighted greatly to fulfill everything you command of us. Can I tell you this? When God tells us to do something, these aren't options he offers us. They're commands he gives us. Amen. Hallelujah. To treat them as optional is dangerous. Because they're not options. He's trying to keep us safe from the accuser. Keep us safe from the destroyer. That's why he commands us of things. You know, on a military battlefield... A man in charge of a battalion or a rank of men, he doesn't say, you know, when they're under fire, he says, you know, if I were you, I'd scoot over and get in this ditch. They command. Why? Because their safety of those men is in obeying that command. 
and he's not giving them an option. He's commanding them where to stand, where to take cover, what to do, how to advance. Why? Because he knows that's how they're safe. God commands for our safety. And our safety is in hearing those commands and complying. Joyfully, delighted greatly. Amen. Well, are you helped today? While you're out this week, what are you going to be doing? Each one, reach one. That means tell somebody. I said, tell somebody. Just tell them your testimony. Don't tell them 54 scriptures. Just tell them, I just say, you know something, God, God put my family back together. God put my health back together. He'll do that for you. Don't try to get so wordy and weird and in, 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 in any kind of lingo that would, that would bypass them. Just say, listen, what God did for me, he'll do for you. Amen. Can I pray with you about that? You know? Invite, invite someone to this place. Why? Because they need what we receive in this place. Hallelujah. Morgan, is there anything else? Is that all? Hallelujah. While you're looking at me, put a big smile. A big smile on your face. Turn to somebody and say, I am delighted greatly to obey. And I'm going to live on the delight side. And you can be dismissed. God bless you. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.